help my DTC grow. Strategies and quick wins that build up 8-figure DTC brand. How B2B tactics can amplify your e-commerce strategy. Today's guest is Santiago, a MailChimp expert since its early days and a long-time e-commerce partner. Leading one totem, his agency Take42 has carved a niche in delivering innovative e-commerce solutions for clients across the US and UK. Alongside a dynamic team, Santiago merges the best B2B strategies with D2C practices to redefine e-commerce success. You will get the answer to the following question. How can your e-commerce brand benefit from B2B insights and strategies? What D2C best practices can you adopt to enhance your customer experience touch points? Why should you consider B-commerce for your e-commerce platform? And how can it propel your brand's growth? And of course, I'm here to help your DTC brand grow, so I asked all my favorite questions at the end. Books to read, mistakes to avoid, quick growth tips, and tools to use. Now, let's get ready! Where would you inspire yourself with strategies and, and marketing stuff for the future or, or have some future trends in your mind? Future trends is a, is a complicated subject. Um, even if you take AI right now, right? The big, major buzzword of uh, 2023, you're going to find... Uh, completely paralyzed uh, opinions about how it's going to uh, replace us all or how it's going to uh, impact or not impact uh, our jobs. What should we do with it? Future planning, it's uh, perhaps it's worthless. But where I draw inspiration mostly, and, and I keep telling this uh, even to the team, uh, I think all of us in business are reading too little fiction. We read, and, and especially on leadership, everyone reads a lot of non-fiction. So all, all these books, which 90% of them can be distilled in, in a five-minute summary, but we keep reading uh, all of uh, this stuff. And of course, there's great stuff there, great and inspiring books. But I think most ideas, particularly any any creative fields, should come from actual fiction and arts. I think there's a lot that we can bring from other stuff that doesn't have to do anything with what we do on our daily basis. And particularly better if you actually are somewhere not on your computer when them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just realized that also when uh, I had just uh, a 10-day retreat without any notebooks, without any phone, without any distraction, and it was one of the best days in my life. So, And, and also the most creative ones, because I could just think through stuff. And after that, I just instantly grab a book or poet's book with with poems, and those were hitting hard <laughs> after a while. So yeah, and even everyone in in the digital world and everyone trying to run a small digital business, etc. We all have this kind of obsession with what we do. So you start linking things that make no sense to anyone else but you, but that create this inspiration. You might be looking at, a, I don't know, an abstract painting and saying, I, I love this structure for a grid system in CSS. It works. Yeah. And what would you think? How could B2B companies look at art <laughs> and create this stuff to get inspired by it <laughs> or, or have some or they look at d2c brands to get some inspiration that that definitely there's this uh, major 
change after the pandemic on how B2B companies behave on the digital realm. I actually brought some numbers for you. Well, I'm going to go through them because I, I think they are pretty self-explanatory and pretty impressive. Uh, so according to McKinsey, uh, e-commerce penetration in the U.S. went from 16 to 34% in just eight weeks during the pandemic, which equals a 10-year leap forward. That affects everything, right? DTC um, and, and B2B, every uh, kind of uh, online shopping behavior. But eight 80% of B2B clients make purchasing decisions based on customer experience. This is a major shift. Uh, it was the opposite. It was uh, 20%. Uh, 80% were relying almost exclusively on personal relationships. More on this. 87% of B2B clients prefer a supplier with the best e-commerce portal and customer experience, even if it means paying more. Here's... Hmm. I think that's a that's a huge key, right? You might be um, loyal to a certain vendor for a long time with the traditional, old-fashioned handshake and uh, and deals. But if someone comes with a better experience, they're going to save you time. They're going to make it easier to transition for new generations and so on. If you have to pay more, it's worth it. Thirty-five percent of B two B businesses have listed investing in e-commerce platform technology as their top priority this year. This is a big commerce. Uh, you know, we are a big commerce uh, expert agency. This is a big commerce stat. It, it tells you how big the shift is in, in B2B. I have two more to go. 54% of distributors list focusing on better user experiences and adding more B2C features to B2B as their priority goal. Okay. Yes, yeah, so so I, I could really imagine that uh, B2B is more open to customer experience than before. Originally, yes, because the contact has been completely different, right? From day one, from Sapos onward, the, uh, the online experience, making it easier, more enjoyable, more beautiful, more gamified, more fashionable, whatever it is, it's, it's always the DTC and, and the B2C brands trying to connect in this one-on-one -on -one relationship that is the computer and trying to connect in that way. And, and B2B didn't need that until now. Now it's not no longer an, an option. It's, uh, it's mandatory if they want to stay in business. Hmm. It's like all the B2C softwares were good in customer experience, but the B2B softwares, as if, if somebody used, I don't know, SAP or, or other, other big softwares, they were not so customer focused. They just want to do the thing that they have to do. Yeah. And that's all. Yeah. It, but now they're more open to Absolutely. It. Yeah. It's a B2B platform used to be, they still are, I would say, the big ones, complex to implement, expensive monolithic, way too big, way too complex. And on the other hand, you had all these great tools like Shopify, WooCommerce, etc., where, where you could, I don't know, in a day with a cool theme and a little bit, little bit of uh, effort. And uh, it, it was a do-it-yourself uh, process and you could be selling something interesting. But if you cross over to the uh, B2B world, you have to deal with price lists and uh, different price levels and different um, uh, company accounts with different permission levels and wholesale portals and uh, quote requests. All of these things that are essential for the life of uh, these kind of uh, companies and that used to be slow, expensive, and ugly. Mm -hmm. So they want to be fast, cheap, and beautiful. <laughs> and, and 
this is the thing that they could learn from D2C brands. Uh, what do you think? What are the best practices to learn from D2C brands for B2B? Obviously, this, this aim at uh, beauty enjoyment uh, experience, dealing differently and better with uh, support and return requests, having a lot more emphasis on things like on the actual marketing tactics, right? You know how DTC brands were the first to take over the social channels, for example, take over influencer marketing. And all of this, these uh, things, it's, it's very rare for you to see an influencer connecting to a B2B company. We, we've seen on some of our clients and it works perfectly fine because there's also this cycle. When we talk to B2B, it's a big world. You might be talking about a manufacturer, distributor, a wholesaler, etc. But think of a distributor that has, that syndicates products through a number of second level distributors, let's say. Whatever you do in terms of marketing that you bring and the, where you bring these lessons from DTC in terms of experiments, uh, split testing, uh, storytelling, and uh, impact, whatever you do there also leaks to the activities that your distributors will perform. Because perhaps I go to your site, I learn about your brand, so it depends on the industry, the vertical, but then I go to a physical store of some of your distributors and I buy because I already did my research online. That's the kind of, the ROPO effect is, is one of these things that B2B owners still don't understand that they have to get from the DTC world because it impacts what they sell directly and what they sell indirectly. Mm -hmm. I, I worked at a B2B company that also said that we are professionals. We don't talk like a normal human could understand it because it would it would eradicate all the professionalism from what we say. Would you agree? <laughs> no, no, no. It's the opposite. Any investment, and um, again, this is one of the many things that DTC excels at. Any investment in lifestyle content for B two B companies is amazing. It's no longer about simply stock pricing, custom deals. It's about creating all these things so you can control the narrative and convey through your different digital channels so you can find new customers and so those customers can also sell your product efficiently. So what, what are these customer experience touch points for the B2B companies? I know that there is one way that the businesses that they are in contact with and also the another way that you already said that if they could uh, have a touch point with, with customers through their dealers, it, it could be also a touch point. Again, it depends a lot on the vertical and the characteristics of that B2B um, customer, but all traditional and uh, digital marketing channels, which are often neglected, having a strong inbound marketing campaign, email, social, SMS, the subscription models, pop-up shops. Right now you can do everything because it's cheap to spin your technology into a certain direction. It's no longer something that you have to plan for six months. I would argue that instead of thinking of some specific channels, you should start adopting omni-channel models on B2B. And then one by one experiment, learn from what DTC brands are, are actually um, doing and uh, succeeding at creating new stuff and, and uh, get your own results. And they also have the power of money, maybe. All the B2B companies all together have a bigger gravity than all the D2C brands together. So they could really change. And uh, if they are keep implementing these solutions, like having more customer-centric, uh, implementing this omnichannel marketing, how far 
they could go with it. Because as, as far as I know, that B2B is, uh, is based on relationship. But as the statistics at the first half of the interview, you said that maybe it's shifting. I think it's actually becoming stronger than ever. I, I think take Optimonk, for example. Okay. If, if you use a tool like uh, Optimum and, and you start creating all these experiments with uh, split testing and hyper-personalization techniques, what you have is not a substitution of that one-on-one -on -one, uh, relation that was the way in, on B2B, but you have a stronger nurturing process for that person. Another stat that's interesting, 95% of the sales cycle on B2B right now happens digitally. Firms still need account-based marketing and still need someone to close that final 5%. But you can make sure that the entire cycle of uh, the, the 95 is very personalized, very smart, where AI can actually power up things like uh, in, in terms of a upsell and uh, increasing the gross order value and uh, reducing your, your churn rate or alerting your customers when they have to do a refill, a reorder of any kind. You can work that out through technology, making that one-on-one -on -one relation with the brand uh, stronger than ever, and then a human comes in and closes the deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Another question, like you choose... Big commerce instead of Shopify Plus and the other platforms. And I recently saw a statistics about uh, like Shopify become a leader of the of the market, and big commerce became the competitor of Shopify. Or the second one, who is like you know, Shopify was the leader of the revolution, but now yeah, yeah, he's the leader. So big commerce step into the place of of Shopify, or why would you choose big commerce, and why is it good for B two B companies, but much more than Shopify Plus? That ring you mentioned is the uh, the latest Gartner report. Uh, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, 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 yeah. Shopify moved really fast. From B2B um, challenger to leader, and and big commerce is still positioned very high on the execution axis but still on the challenger uh, section. It's tricky because you have to see Gartner and, and how the quadrant works, right? Essentially, what, what it's telling you is that, uh, or the reason why big commerce is there is not because it's not the best tool, it's because it still doesn't have the depth of uh, the market share that they need in order to get into leadership. I think big commerce, if, if you see the uh, growth numbers, it's there is a great position. But aside from all of that, of, of the businessy part of the platform, yeah, yeah, yeah. big commerce is um, it's a perfect fit to mid-market and uh, moving upwards companies that are looking for an enterprise service because it has a very flexible structure. You know, BigCommerce is part of, a, it's a founding member of the Mac Alliance, right? Mm -hmm, it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's this, this group of companies that uh, are uh, Mac means microservices, API first, cloud native, and headless. All these companies work in this highly modular, adaptable way. What it means for the store owners is that they can use BigCommerce as the main, the, the, the core backend. You can use the, the, the BigCommerce storefront want it's easy it has great things it's easy to adapt but you can also use the best of breed tools for everything else you have the a, a super strong platform with a huge ecosystem but you can choose to use something else for checkout you can use a, a custom cms uh, for the front you can integrate with uh, any pim you you can model everything right so it's it's a change of paradigm from 
uh, what we've seen in the past 10 years of all these platforms trying to be the one-stop shop for everything. So while Shopify, for example, with uh, Plus is, has been successful in the past year, Shopify is still the kind of platform that gives you everything. And that's great for some companies and it's not so great for others, particularly on B2B. Because on B2B, you need the flexibility. You always need the flexibility for something. You might have a specific setup, um, the logistics and the delivery and the technical foundations for, I mean, Spain for Spain, but then you want to go to sell to the UK and you have to do a lot of different things. The biggest advantage on, on big commerce is that the total cost of ownership is smaller than other companies, uh, than with uh, other platforms. You have a faster time to market because it's easier to create your own solutions and it's easier to connect to other solutions. It has super open API and so on. It gives you those two major pillars where you can strategize and architecture your business from a technological standpoint pretty much in any way you want. Okay, so essentially you get SAP flexibility five times cheaper. And just to turn the tables, as a D2C brand, how could I learn uh, something from, from B2B companies? And what could I reach with the help of B2B connections? It's funny because for, for me, the lines between B2C, B2B, uh, DTC, whatever acronym you want to toss in, are, are getting blurrier and blurrier. <laughs> um, yeah. if, um, if you're a DTC brand, at some point you're going to, most likely, unless you have a shitload of uh, cash coming in from outside, you're going to reach growth ceiling eventually. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you hit growth ceiling, again, this always depends, right? Do you own the stock? Do you produce the stock? Um, that if we were talking about DTC, I, I, I sort of assume, not all, you know, always, but I assume that you make something and you sell it directly to the clients, right? So if, if you own the stock, you can find the proper way to find distributors, to sell through others, to expand um, your reach in new markets and new clients by um, uh, internationalizing with uh, the, the proper potential uh, business partners uh, in, in that sense. So if, if you see the entire market, what we are facing right now, we do digital uh, software development and e-commerce, and we also do marketing. On the marketing side, we see that it's increasingly harder to earn your share of voice. Think of ads. Nobody still has a 100% clear picture on, on how AI searches and uh, BARD and, uh, and, and so on are going to impact search results. You can't buy your way through the market like you used to with uh, different ads. Uh, I mean, at some point, if you were good doing ads, you could reach this balance where your cost of acquisition was X and your expenditure on ads was Y and you had some business uh, going. I think we're, we're facing with the end of third-party cookies coming in the next couple of years across the board uh, and uh, all of these shifts, we are in front of a scenario where you need to have cross all disciplines. You need to find strategies from B2B. You need to uh, strengthen your storytelling and your branding, no matter what you do. And funnily enough, you need to go back to the actual real physical world in order to serve mo more online. You need to do more events, more outreach, more handshaking, new countries, new languages, new stores, experiments, and so on. It's, it's going to be a fun channel, but a, a challenge. Uh, I, I think we're about to see a mix of everything we've learned in the past uh, 20 years, basically. Yeah, maybe all the mass media will, will come back again. <laughs> 
Yeah, in different shapes, but it is, yes. If you had the time and energy to write a book about what we have just talked about or launch a course, what, what would be the title of it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you could use ChatGPT. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Um, yeah, blur the lines. Oh, that's good. That's good. And why? <laughs> so, so we can. Yeah, so we can find it's, it. If 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 you take one thing away from this, it's uh, is that uh, I think we need to find the way to cross disciplines and strategies and learn from different industries and. Um, see what people in other verticals are doing and read other stuff. It seems like particularly with um, AI and generative AI and this bad behavior of being so locked on our confirmation biases, people is starting to do, everyone is starting to do the same. And uh, at some time you have to, um, if everyone goes pop, uh, go punk at some time yeah, you, you have to um, cross over with uh, other things uh, find other influences and go on the opposite direction because differentiation is key if you want to get that share of voice that you were uh, talking about yeah i couldn't agree more and last but not least i want to give some seeds and nutrition for d2c brands to grow and i have four quick questions that i i want some quick answers from you so the first one is uh, what books or courses or influencers would you recommend to read or follow for a D2C brand? Go to the basics, uh, Sugarman, Ogilvy, and all of uh, those. Every, everything they wrote 80 years ago still stands. Great. The second one is, what is the biggest mistake that D2C or B2B brands could make? The single biggest one. Not planning technology before embarking on a project. Usually, the clients that have been the most successful for us are those that already fail with three or four agencies before they got to us. Yeah, they could learn in a hard way. Yes. Because if, if they found you at first, yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't know no, how hard is this. But this is, this is I'll, I'll take 15 seconds to explain this. This is because brands usually hate the concept of paid discovery. Mm -hmm. I have two ways of telling you what to do on a project. Either I tell you the truth, in which case I need to research, and that research takes money, or I give you the bullshit you want to hear so you can say yes and sign, which is that what, sadly, a lot of people do. And then halfway through the project, you realize that, oh, we couldn't build that bridge. Okay, let's go back. <laughs> yeah, and you already paid twice as money as, as the research should, uh, should cost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, measure twice, cut once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third one is, could you tell me your quick growth tip related to B2B and D2C connections that they could apply the next day that uh, they listen to us? It's a still email. I've been working particularly with email. We've been melting partners for 15 years and we work with a number of uh, platforms. We still see great companies that have uh, over 30, 50 million in revenue per year and they still don't use email at its uh, fullest. Use the email, grow, the, grow your list, run giveaways, find people. Great. And the last one is that you already mentioned MailChimp and, and BigCommerce. What tools would you use as a D2C or B2B brand for growth? I particularly love BigCommerce for all the reasons I share with you. I think it's a brilliant platform that allows you to play the role of a big of a big company even if you're not there yet. It's really ideal for people that's moving up. It's also ideal in this time of, uh, is it a recession? Is it not a recession? It's an ideal tool to downgrade from a more expensive tool that you're not using, that you bought because you didn't 
measure twice and cut once, and uh, and and you can cut your budget in half. Aside from that, in terms of uh, marketing, we already mentioned Optimonk is uh, brilliant. Um, we work with Pantheon uh, Get Response Digital. Frankly, there's it's it's a dream come true for marketers and uh, digital business owners. We have the biggest offering we've ever had, and a lot of these um, uh, tools complement each other. So. I would say find the stuff that's easier for you to adopt. Try things because uh, it happens to us at the agency all the time. There, you might find a superb app, but for some reason it doesn't click with you or your team and nobody uses it. Keep trying until it hits. Great. Thanks, Santiago, for accepting my call and giving this tremendous amount of value for the listeners. Thank you so much for your invitation. Looking forward to the next. Take care. And don't forget to try these tips today. For more seeds and nutrition, stay tuned for the next episode.